every time my three-year-old saw something that he wanted, it managed to find its way into our luggage. I <laughs> Tiny, tiny dictators, I call them. Exactly. <laughs> Disney calls them consumers. <laughs> they are. <laughs> hey, TCL Duel fans, before we dive into tonight's episode, just a few quick announcements. The first is that we are still running our promotion with My Path Unwinding Travel for our first 10 listeners who head over to My Path Unwinding between now and the end of October to book a new Disney Cruise Line vacation, you'll get a copy of a book that Disney published about the making of the Disney Wish that is not available as far as we know on board any longer. And if you book a concierge booking, they will send you a Disney Cruise Line concierge pin that was available to concierge sailors on board some of the ships, but is no longer there. They've got a new pin out and we think that the old pin is much better. So head over, be one of our first 10 guests to book a new cruise vacation with My Path Unwinding Travel and you may be eligible for some of these freebies. Just a reminder to use our link, mypathunwinding.com slash Duo, so they know we sent you their way. We also want to remind folks about our voicemail line. We love answering listener questions and responding to comments. And so if you want to head over to Google Voice and leave us a message or a comment, we'll respond in the show as long as it's family friendly. And so just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. Also, just want to remind folks, if you are out there listening and you have not had a chance to leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts, we really value those reviews. So head over there, please. If you have time to hit those five stars. If you leave us a written review, of course, we'll read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. And look, if your finger's hovering over anything less than five stars, send us an email at dclduo at gmail.com or, or shoot us a voicemail at the number that I just gave because we'd love a chance to respond before you rate us below five stars. Just remember, too, this is a labor of love and uh, we are not making money off of this show. And with that, on to our episode. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast, brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And I have to start where I always do by welcoming my fabulous co-host of the show, Samantha. Welcome, Sam. Why, thank you, Brian. You know, I, I need some more snacks in my green room here because I'm quite hungry, and I think it's, it's really because it's getting close to dinner time. But uh, I should have brought more snacks with me, I think, today. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're taking personal responsibility and not blaming blame on the show uh, for the lack of snack items in it's your It's really the producer's today. fault. Um, the show editor, the show runner, the show producer. Oh, wait, that's all you, Brian. <laughs> I thought that was all you, Sam. I'm just like I'm the I'm the executive producer. I, you know, I make I make the big decisions around here. Let me tell you that. So, well, we have another fabulous guest with us today to talk to us all about cruising with little ones on Disney Cruise Line. So this show is going to be topical, focused on cruising with young folks on board. But let me start by welcoming Chelsea to our show. Welcome, Chelsea. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here and joining us. Excited about this topic. Topical shows are always kind of fun because we can get a lot of information out to listeners who are looking for it. So really excited to have you on to do this topic. Before we dive into the topic, Chelsea, we always like to start by getting folks' cruising background, Disney cruising background. What is your background with cruising and Disney Cruise Line in particular? So I am a travel agent and I do specialize in Disney and all things Disney cruising, the parks, all of that. I'm an avid Disney goer. I go to Disney World several times a year, Disneyland every few years and uh, cruising every few years as well. Uh, just started getting into the 
Disney cruises now that I've got my young kids and we've been yeah, going on a bunch of cruises and going to the parks and getting them addicted to Disney. That's right. That's so you got to indoctrinate them early. Start young, exactly. I say. How many Disney cruises have you been on? With the kids, only two. And pre-kids? Pre-kids, we had only done, my husband had done one and I we had done several Royal Caribbean cruises prior oh. to having kids. Yeah. So it was a new adventure for you guys. Yes. Yes. And Chelsea, how old are the kids you're traveling with? My kids are three and one. Three and one. That's All right. So super young. This super is young. we're talking nursery age. Yeah. Yes. 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 Well, I, I want to start by talking like let's back up all the way to the like deciding to go on a cruise stage of this as we talk about sailing with young kids. So it's not uncommon because people ask a lot, what age is the right age to take my kids on a Disney cruise? And I think that that's different for everyone. But how do you feel about that question, Chelsea, with a one-year-old and a three-year-old? So from Disney's perspective for a cruise, your child needs to be at least six months old, unless you're doing a transatlantic or a Panama Canal or Hawaiian cruise, then they have to be 12 months. Oh, I didn't realize that they had to be older for those. Wow. They do. So for your regular cruising, Caribbean, Bahamas, things like that, they can be six months. So my youngest was seven months on his first cruise. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And I loved it. Like he was great. He had the best time and he just... He's an easy baby. So I think that definitely helps. (laughs) Yeah, he loved it. He had a great time. He was standing up and trying to cruise around on the cruise ship and uh, dancing to all the music and sleeping during the fireworks. It was great. How did you choose what kind of itinerary or, or I guess how would you advise even a client to, you know, on choosing an itinerary when you're talking about toddler and infant age kids? I would think that it is mostly based on how well your children is going to adapt to a new environment. For us, we found like by the time we got to the th- the third night. They had very well adjusted to being on the cruise and we weren't having the sleepless nights. They weren't confused when they woke up. They knew where they were. So I feel like a four to five night cruise is kind of that sweet spot with the young kids where they might not travel quite as well as an older child. So I do tend to advise that for clients as well with young kids that that four to five night tends to be the sweet spot for traveling with young kids. Older kids, I you can go longer or shorter because I feel like they just adjust a little bit better. Yeah, that's a, a really good point. That three night might be kind of just a little bit too short for them to even get used to where you are. And it may be too stressful with packing and for, for only a three night. But yeah, that makes sense that seven nights away from home is quite a bit for someone that young, plus all the stuff that you've got to schlep with you. Right. It's a lot of stuff. <laughs> but before you get to the stuff, because I want to talk about how you pack for traveling with young kids. I remember <laughs> packing was not fun. But we talked about the length of itineraries. What about taking young kids to Europe? Would would that be something you'd recommend? Or would you say, why don't you do some Caribbean cruising with the younger kids first? I mean, the cruising is probably easier just because it's a little bit closer to home. It's not quite as long of a plane ride. For me, the airport is the most stressful part of traveling with young kids. I don't find the actual trip itself to be that stressful. 
But hey, if you've got easy kids and they are used to being on a plane and they do really well, do it. Do Europe. They're great. Yeah, I think the I, I think I would have probably murdered somebody. Probably would have ended up being Brian if we had tried to fly Nathan to Europe when he was that little. But he was kind of difficult to get to bed. So he was not uh, one of those kids who would just, you know, sleep anywhere. So that that w- wouldn't have been in the cards. But we didn't start cruising with him until he was, what, four or five, Brian? I think four was his first cruise. And then we took him again when he was five. Yeah. So, okay. So, so I guess it really depends on how good of a flyer your kid is. It sounds like that's the, probably the best advice. If they're, uh, if they're not a great flyer, stay close to home. If they're a great flyer, do, go wherever. A hundred percent. But let's talk about packing, all right? Because there's at one and three, you've got strollers, pack and plays, potentially diapers, formula, potentially, you know, pumping equipment. Like, so my my gosh, like packing, how do you talk people through or how do you think about packing for these long trips? So my best advice for people that are going with children that are in diapers, and I have two that are in diapers. My oldest is is just, just starting to get out of diapers. We Instacarted diapers to our hotel the night before. So we did not have to bring them on the ship with or on the plane with us. We brought just enough to get us through the airport if we had any blowouts or anything crazy happen, because it inevitably does with young kids when you're if you're not playing planning for it, it's going to happen. So then we Instacarted diapers and wipes and swim diapers and sunscreen and some of those, you know, things that we would need on the boat, but weren't going to need on the airplane to our hotel the night before, which was great. Yeah, that's a great idea. I don't know that I would have thought of that, but I do remember one time having to buy diapers in an airport because I had not packed enough or, you know, or had not anticipated how many dumps the kiddo would have taken. (laughs) How many movements, how many movements your son would have? It's hard to know. Sometimes if they eat something funny, they're going to have two more than you anticipate. Right, right. (laughs) I mean, when you give them the escargot in Royal Court, what do you expect? Right, right. All that butter and garlic. <laughs> oh, God. All right. That's getting a little too graphic on our end of things. What about, what about strollers, though, Chelsea? Did you... I mean, I remember when our son was tiny, you had like the... What do we call that? The what was it? The, click and, the had, click and go or the... Yeah. We, well, we did have a, we did have one of those click and goes, but we also had our city mini, which was like the regular stroller, the one that you would use at like the mall. We also had like a running stroller. I mean, we had like... I think we had like four different strollers at one point. But yeah, what kind of... I mean, you've got two. So are you bringing two strollers or are you bringing a double stroller? What are you bringing with you for this? So we actually only brought one stroller. I also brought a baby carrier for the airport, which my toddler was very jealous of. And so half the time I ended up wearing the toddler and pushing the baby in the stroller (laughs) um, because the, the toddler was very upset that his brother was in the baby carrier. It was special to him. So... It it ended up going the reverse of how I thought it was going to go. But we actually only brought the one stroller because my toddler was pretty excited to be on the boat. He was old enough he could walk. And so when we were walking around on the ship, would walk and hold my hand and I would push the baby around in the umbrella stroller. Something that was easy, lightweight, easy to fold, get on and off the ship. It fit 
nicely either in the closet or under the beds. So it wasn't a hassle to bring it with us. Now, I I take it you didn't do a parks trip partnered with this cruise. We did not because we were sailing out of Miami. We do actually have one planned coming up where we are going to tack on a park portion to our cruise. And what are you going to do for stroller in that situation? So the reason I ask, and, and this might be obvious to you because you have young kids, but I remember the umbrella stroller is not being the greatest for any kind of long locking. It was, it's fine if you've got even surfaces, it's probably really easy to use on the ship because everything's pretty, you know, even, and you have a combination of carpeted and not carpeted, but you don't really need a hefty stroller. But when you're doing like a long days at the parks, I feel like that umbrella stroller is just going to not really suffice. So what do you end up doing there? Or what are you planning on doing there? We will probably rent a stroller from a, from a third-party company for the parks and then just have our umbrella stroller with us in the room to use on the ship and then just not bring the rented stroller with us onto the cruise ship. Uh, because you're right, you do need a little bit more of a heftier stroller for the parks. I've used my umbrella stroller in the parks before, and I do like it just because it's the stroller that I have is has a very good recline. It's got a very good sunshade. So I do like it for their naps. But you go over those bumpy surfaces in any of the more themed areas of the parks where the cement is texturized and your kids bouncing all over the place. <laughs> oh yeah. And trying trying to get over where the like the trolley on Main Street or any of those tracks. I mean it's hard enough with a hefty stroller, but with the umbrella stroller it, it's like impossible. Yeah, there's there's no recoil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and we did do an umbrella stroller at when when Nathan got a little bit bigger, I think one time we did an umbrella stroller at the park and then never again. We always pretty much rented strollers at the parks. But I think that's a great idea to do, you know, bring your umbrella stroller, rent the stroller, the the hefty stroller at the parks. It's a, a good compromise because, you, I mean, who wants to lug that big stroller through the airport and on the cruise ship? Right. And you really do need something, especially if you have two children, you really do need a stroller for getting through the airport if you've got two young ones that just are not capable of handling that long of a walk through the security, through the airport terminals to get to your gate. You really do need something to put them in. I mean, even in a smaller airport, I feel like that's the case. But especially if you're coming from like a JFK or a Chicago O'Hare or something like any of the bigger airports are I would think it's it's a must. And even smaller airports, I, I would think it's pretty, pretty vital. So I'd be curious, where do you put the stroller in your stateroom when you're on board? So the umbrella stroller is super easy to stash in the stateroom. It, you know, the beds are high because they expect that guests are going to be putting their suitcases under the bed. So you can fit your stroller under there as well. Also, the closet space on the Disney ships is large enough that you could slip it in there as well. I mean, the umbrella strollers fold down pretty, pretty slim. Is there a particular stateroom that you think works better? You know, I presume you don't have to bring your own pack and play and that the the ship will provide some kind of crib pack and play type apparatus, um, which I'd love to know. But is there a particular stateroom that you think kind of works better 
uh, when you've got young kids or kids this young in particular? So we stayed in veranda room, which is usually what we choose to stay in um, because we like having... I like knowing what time of day it is. So the inside staterooms don't really work super well for me. (laughs) But with the veranda rooms, we had a little bit more space. We were able to open up the door. My three-year-old was able to see Castaway Key as we were you know, docking and everything, which he loved. He did think we were going to Disney World on the Disney ship, which we had to explain (laughs) to him was not the case. But so he was a little surprised to see sand. (laughs) But uh, the the veranda room worked very well for us. And we did have a pack and play in the room, which they brought for us. And we had the fold out couch, which folds into a single bed. And they put a bed rail there for my three year old. Oh, they have bed rails. They do. I didn't know that. That's no, we've, that. We've, other other guests have mentioned that on the show before, Sam. There's an age limit below which they or above which they tend not to provide them unless you really oh, ask for them. Oh, interesting. I don't. So I did have, not remember that. Yeah, they have bed rails and pack and plays, which they will provide to you. They also have uh, diaper genies, which they will provide for you, and they do also have bottle warmers, sterilizers, and high chairs. Obviously, for the dining room, high chairs, booster seats. And they will puree food for your baby as well. Yeah, I was going to actually, I was going to ask about food. Do they, I presume they will let you bring on jarred food if you, if your baby's eating jarred food. And I, but I don't know that. They will let you bring it on so long as it is still sealed. It can't be opened and without the label. It has to be labeled in its original container sealed. If you do purees at home, they will puree food for you. You can uh, request it either to be brought through room service or for any of the dining that you do. Oh, that's awesome. So you can't bring homemade stuff, but they'll make you homemade stuff, essentially. Correct. Well, I, do they will they provide you any kind of fridge or anything like that if you are, you know, pumping, breastfeeding, that sort of a thing? Do you know? So I exclusively pumped for 13 months with my... Oh my God, you poor thing. Yeah. (laughs) It was a lot. And I also did combo feed with formula for him because he had poor weight gain. So we were doing all of the things for him. And they will not provide you an extra refrigerator for the room. There is already a refrigerator in the stateroom. So you have to do kind of some finagling if you are an exclusive pumper just to make sure you're using your the milk within a certain time frame. Those fridges are not super cold. Yeah, it's about the same temperature that a beverage fridge would be. Um, so it's not like a full refrigerator. But I did bring milk with me that had been frozen previously. So I had extra in case I needed it, in case something happened with my pump while I was on board and I needed extra. And I did bring it in a cooler. You can bring a soft-sided cooler onto the ship. And my stateroom attendant was filling it several times a day with ice for me to keep the milk cold. So that actually worked out pretty well to keep it frozen through the bulk of our cruise. That's really great. I mean, if your baby's mostly drinking breast milk, you don't really want to switch. You know, they can have babies get upset tummies if you (laughs) switch whatever you're doing from normal to something different. They will let you know almost immediately if it doesn't agree with them. Okay. So what about like in before we get to some of the onboard activities that you do with young kids? 
What about things like in the dining room? Are there, you know, high chairs? Um, what kinds of things can you request or are available for these young ones in the dining room? Yeah, so they do have high chairs and booster seats available in the dining room. And they did note on our reservation that we had young kids traveling with us. So they actually already had high chairs sitting at our table waiting for us. Um, At the time, they were still only seating families together. They weren't doing the joint seating yet. So we were at a table for four with the two high chairs. And my three-year-old refused to sit in his high chair. So they switched out for a booster seat for us. And they will also cut up food for little ones as well if you ask for it. If you have little ones that are doing baby led weaning or just kids under one that aren't eating food to the level that we are yet, they will cut it up into age-appropriate slices for you. You know, they will also do that for your eight-year-old sometimes. If you asked for it, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, there have been times where I haven't asked for it. I mean, he can kind of cut up his own food, but usually I'll like, if it's a steak, I'll cut it up for him. But they sometimes just like start doing it and I don't stop them. I wouldn't either. Easier for you. (laughs) Exactly. Because it means I don't have to wait and let my food get cold before I start eating. That's like one of the things I love about Disney when they see like, oh, your kid has a steak. Oh, let me help and cut it for your kids so that the parent can actually eat the food when it's hot. Hey, I wanted to ask one more question about packing, which is we talked about a lot of the essentials. What about the non-essential stuff that you bring on for kids? Like Sam still to this day, you know, brings sand toys and stuff with her for our son to play with at the beach. Do you put any sort of thought or have recommendations around the non-essential stuff that is helpful to have with the kids, but, you know, isn't the sort of uh, meeting one of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Uh, So we brought anything from home that our kids would miss. So my three-year-old is very attached to one of his blankets. We brought that for him. My youngest will only sleep in a certain sleep sack where he can not feel his hands. So he... We brought those for him. We made sure we had enough in case one of them got wet. Just things to make them feel more comfortable. We brought a couple books that they could look at on the plane. We did not bring sand toys. We ended up buying sand toys while we were there. So definitely bringing money for extra souvenirs because... Every time my three-year-old saw something that he wanted, it managed to find its way into our luggage. I- <laughs> tiny, tiny dictators, I call them. Exactly. <laughs> Disney calls them consumers. <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> we also brought sound machines as well, which was very helpful. We just got very small, portable ones that recharged. And I just stuck one underneath the pack and play and closed the curtain. And it was great. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. I will say we have sound machine apps on our devices. So on our on my iPhone and on Nathan's iPad, actually. So let's talk about stuff, you know, that you can do on board with kids and specifically kids, you know, this young infant toddler age, because I know it's a little bit different than what a lot of people think of as far as, you know, kids clubs, obviously, before they're three, they can't go to the Oceaneers Club slash Oceaneers Lab. Um, And even when they're three, they can only go there once they're potty trained. But if they're three or under, we know they can go to the nursery, the It's a Small World Nursery. So Tell us like, you know, one, what you think about the nursery, if you, if you use it, and then let's talk more activities, I guess. 
So actually, the nursery just reopened in the the uh, late spring, early summer. So the time that I cruised with them, it was not open and available for us to use. So I, while I have been inside the nursery and have seen it, I have not utilized the services with my children because it was closed. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that because they, they only recently reopened it. Yeah. So I'll just tell the listeners, the nursery is available. It is a, at a fee. Um, it's an hourly fee. I'm not sure of the exact cost, but it's, I think, relatively inexpensive if you were to compare it to like babysitting costs. They require reservations because they do keep a particular child to adult ratio. It's not like the kids club where it's kind of a free for all. And so, you know, it is a much higher level of care. And, you know, it's it's for non toilet trained toddlers and infants, basically. And they do, you know, they have cribs in there. It is a beautiful space, very clean, very well kept. They have play mats, they have toddler and infant specific toys, it kind of looks like a very fancy, pretty daycare. Right. It's gorgeous in there. I believe it is $4.50 per half hour was the last time I looked at the pricing. Um, So about $9 an hour, roughly. And like you said, advanced reservations, you can start at 75 days prior to your cruise. With the kids clubs, we were able to still go in and look at them during the orientation time slots. Um, So my three-year-old did get to spend a little bit of time in the kids clubs exploring around. So when he is fully potty trained and able to take advantage of those services, we know for sure that he is going to love it. But we honestly did not miss him not being able to go to the kids clubs. Uh, We felt like there was still plenty to do on board to entertain them. Now, if we were those types of cruisers that did not get off the boat, perhaps we would have missed it a little bit more. But we wanted to get off and we wanted to explore and do excursions and hang out on the beach and, you know, enjoy being off the boat as much as as being on the ship. We wanted to spend time off the ship as well. Honestly, there is a ton to do on the ship. Those open houses that you spoke of, those are a great time to explore. In fact, I like to go to the open houses even when Nathan isn't sailing with us because I want to check out the kids clubs. If it's if it's a ship that I haven't been on yet, in particular, I always want to take a look. I was super interested when we were on the wish and looking at the kids club. Of course, Nathan was with us that cruise, but it was just some of the coolest spaces. I think Andy's room in the in most on most of the ships, it's not on the wish, but it, that is sort of a space that is often converted for or used for a specific toddler playtime on the ship, often in in the mornings. And so that it, they, they consider it technically open house time because it's, it's parents are required to be there with their kid, but it is sort of focused on that toddler crowd. And on the wonder, it even has a slide. So it doesn't have a slide, I think, on any of the other ships. Obviously, the, the Wish has its own slide, but that's a different one. Um, but yeah, so other kinds of activities you guys did on board. I want to know, did you do Jack Jack's Diaper Dash? It was not being run and I was very disappointed because I have a little cruiser and we for sure thought he would win if he had been able to do it. (laughs) 
And can I tell you, I wish he had been on the wish with us on the maiden voyage because there are only two babies in the Jack Jack's diaper dash. One showed up like, you know, 10 minutes before when they were doing the signups. And then the second showed up just in the nick of time, like right before the game started, because we all thought, oh, no, we're not even going to have a diaper dash because that's how few kids and little ones were even on that cruise. So that baby would have won by default. (laughs) Yeah, we we weren't able to do it on the last cruise we were on because it still was not happening. And I asked, I I was like, I have a baby. He's ready to go. Can't we do it? And they said no. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. And right now, if you head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo, you can take advantage of a promotion we're offering. If you're one of our first 10 listeners to book a new Disney cruise vacation with My Path Unwinding, you will get some free giveaways, including a book about the Disney wish that was given out on board the maiden voyage and the DVC charter. And if you decide to book concierge, a special limited edition Disney Cruise Line concierge pin that Disney was selling on board, but has discontinued in favor of a new pin, which we think is not as good as the old one. So be one of our first 10 listeners to head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next Disney cruise vacation. And you will get that as well as some DCL Duo swag that we will send out separately. So if you take any time at all to browse My Path Unwinding's website, you will see that they are dedicated to providing you the best service and understanding their clients' needs and answering their questions to ensure that their vacation experience is the best for them and their family. That extends to so many quarters of what My Path Unwinding does, including our experience in booking some fabulous vacations now with My Path Unwinding and their Facebook groups where they field all kinds of questions day in and day out to make sure that people have the best experience possible on Port Disney Cruise Line. So if you've been eyeing an Adventures by Disney trip and been thinking about upgrading your experience to concierge, just want to book a fabulous Disney vacation or really any kind of all-inclusive or resort vacation or cruise vacation, then head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo and we know you will have a great experience with Karen and her team of travel specialists over at My Path Unwinding. Thanks, My Path Unwinding, for your continued support of the show. And now back to our episode. So, Chelsea, I'm curious. Um, actually, one thing that we didn't talk about up front that I think would be helpful for listeners, too, is I assume that you traveled just on birth certificates for your kids. But how did you think about the travel documentation you needed to get on board the ship? For kids, it's very easy. If they are under 15, you only need a birth certificate for them. So it was very easy to get that. I already had it in my safety deposit box. So very easy, very simple. Just needed to upload a copy of it into the portal prior to us uh, boarding the ship. For my husband and I, we needed our passports and our driver's license. So again, very easy documentation for, for everyone. And actually, as I think about it too, when you check in for the cruise, there's a lot more to fill out when you're traveling with kids. Now, did you have a lot of extra stuff to fill out on your end? I know when we go, we have to register our son for the kids club and that sort of thing. I know your kiddos weren't doing the kids club, but how did you find the check-in process? The check-in process for us was fairly smooth. Again, we didn't need to check in our kids for any activities or anything on board. So for us, it was pretty much get on the ship, 
go eat lunch, go to your room. It was very simple. With COVID, of course, we've got the additional testing at the port and everything that needs to happen for them. But other than that, there really wasn't too many extra steps. As you think about port stops now, because you mentioned the documentation issue, but also mentioned that you are folks who like to get off the ship. How did you think about shore excursions in the ports? Did you just get off on your own or did you do Disney-sponsored excursions? So for Castaway Key, we just got off on our own. We did not do any excursions or anything. I think it's important to keep in mind that with having children under three, there are very limited port excursions that you can do because a lot of them are going to require them to be usually five and up is when it seems to be uh, the, the most availability for certain activities off the ship. Another thing to keep in mind is with COVID protocols, depending on the port that you are going to, some of those ports may require you to have an excursion booked in order for your children who are unvaccinated or under a certain age to even get off the ship. At the time, they did not have vaccines for the under five crowd. And so Bahamas was requiring us to have an excursion booked to get off the ship in Nassau. We could not just get off on our own and explore. That is no longer the case in Nassau. You can now get off the ship without having an excursion booked. Um, But at the time we did. So we booked an excursion through Disney. I believe we did the Blue Lagoon Beach Day, which was great. My kids loved it. We had good food. Uh, Beach was a little busy because there were a few other ships there as well. It wasn't strictly a Disney ship docking station, but we had a good time. We enjoyed the beach. We enjoyed the music, some good drinks. Kids played in the sand. It was great. One thing that I find is that the shore excursions can get pretty limited when you're talking about kids of a certain age. Did you also find that to be the case? Yes, for sure. Uh, It was very limiting with having children under five, especially children that can't swim yet. So they couldn't really do... My husband was very excited about seeing the dolphins and everything, but they have to be able to swim to do that. Yeah, that was a struggle for us on one of our excursions in Mexico. I think one of the first times we took Nathan cruising was the dolphin adventure was like a dolphin meet and greet, but they would, I think they let the kids kind of stand on the side of the pool basically to do it. So yeah, but I do find that if you've got kids under a certain age, it's the offering is a little bit more limited. (laughs) So I'm, I'm curious what the life, I'm curious what a day in the life is like for parents of young kids on board the ship. Cause we've had some on the show before and sometimes they're up super early so the kids can just run around without a bunch of people in the atrium and such. Like what was a day in the life like for you on board with two little ones? We would wake up whenever the kids wanted to wake up unless we had to be off the ship at a certain time, which for my kids, they're fairly early risers. So they were up with us by 7.30-ish most days. That's pretty good. They're they're decent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we would, they'd wake us up and then we would, my husband would take my oldest to get breakfast because I was having to pump and feed the baby. So then we would meet him for breakfast, then walk around the ship unless we were getting off the ship. In that case, we would pack the beach bag, get off the, the ship. Otherwise, we were going to the splash pad, getting ice cream. My three-year-old was 
absolutely obsessed with all of the characters on board the ship. So we spent most of the afternoon while my youngest napped and my husband napped as well. I was running my three-year-old all over the ship, seeing as many characters as possible. Then we would get showered and go to dinner. We had the early dining. There's no way my kids can make it to an 8.15 dinner. Absolutely not. So the 5.45 was absolutely perfect. Then afterwards, we would try to catch some of the show. We would stay until the toddler started to act up, and then we would go back to our room and put the kids to bed. Yeah, that late show is is kind of late because it's usually like 8.30 or 8.45. So that's pretty late for really young kiddos. But I think you're 100% right on the early dining. So I know sometimes people don't get early dining when they first book their cruise, if they book it later. You can get on a wait list, people. Just know you can get on the wait list for early dining. And even when you first get on board, even if you weren't able to get it switched before you got on board, go and find wherever they're doing dining changes and try and put in that request. If you have really young kids, if you have a kid that's like, you know, seven, eight, nine, uh, they might be able to make it to late dining. We've just sort of been able to transition Nathan to late dining, but that is really, really, I can't imagine (laughs) trying to keep a one and a three-year-old up that late for dinner. Absolutely not. (laughs) It It did not go well. Even trying to keep them at least with the show being late, one of us would hold the baby while he slept. And then once my toddler started to get out of hand, we would say, okay, we're going to call it. We would just, you know, we would come in towards as soon as the show was starting, sit kind of towards the back. So we weren't, you know, bugging anybody if we had to hop out. He'd make it maybe 30, 45 minutes in. And then we would just head back to our room. He just can't sit still that long. What was nice is that everybody was either in a show or in dinner. And so half the time we would be walking back and there would be characters just walking down the hall. He had some very great interactions with characters that way. Yeah, those are, I think those impromptu ones rather than just like a picture. So like the line up and take a picture with a character, those are great for the picture, but the best character interactions I feel like are those ones that are just kind of impromptu, right? Where they're walking down the hall and your kiddo's walking toward them. What what was maybe the best, if you had sort of a, a memory or best, best memory of a character interaction for your toddler? We have a couple. He He's a character. So he had some very <laughs> good interactions. But one night we were coming back from the show and we ran into Belle and she sat with him and looked out one of the ports and he just sat on her dress and he talked to her and they had maybe a 10 minute conversation about trains and the ship and going to the beach and seeing Mickey Mouse and just his whole life story. Oh, I love that. Those are the moments that sort of make you think, oh my God, this was totally worth it. <laughs> Which is probably a little bit different with the with the baby. How did how did he do with the character interactions? Was he afraid? Did he like them? This this I know there's a lot of variety there. Yeah, I think it kind of depended on his mood. He definitely slept through some of the interactions my toddler had with the characters. He is a very good napper and was just like clockwork as soon as it was time for his nap, which is pass out wherever he is. (laughs) 
So there were definitely a few interactions that he slept through. He did really enjoy Stitch and Mickey Mouse. He had some good interactions with Stitch in particular. Uh, He had some good interactions with crawling around on the deck before dinner one night. (laughs) Before pirate night, that's what it was. Yeah, they were all dressed in their pirate costumes crawling around the deck. Stitch is a great character. Stitch is a great character for interactions. Yeah. Well, and that brings me to a a perfect question I was about to ask you, which was, do you guys do the whole dress up, whether it's for pirate night or dress them like little princes or, I mean, there are tons of families who do the matching t-shirt thing on board, tons of families who dress up for pirate night. I feel like it can be sometimes harder with little ones, sometimes easier. I guess it kind of depends on your kiddo, but how, how, do, how do your kiddos fare with uh, dressing up and, and do you dress them up? So we decided not to dress them up. Apart, we did matching t-shirts for pirate's night. But other than that, I put them in nice-ish clothes for dinner, knowing full well that my infant was coming out of that dining room absolutely covered in marinara sauce. Like, I just... (laughs) (laughs) He was eating a ton of food and it was... Most of it was ending up on his body in some way. So... (laughs) Right. So you don't want like the white button down shirt and then it's covered in marinara sauce because it's not like you've got like bleach and you're well, you have laundry on board, but it's a little bit different than what you can do at home. <laughs> yeah, my toddler probably would have been fine. He's a little bit of a cleaner eater, but uh, he's also a chicken fingers and fries kind of guy. Uh, we had to have them bring him chicken fingers and fries every single night we were on board the ship. He refused to try anything new off of any of the menus, but my baby did. He ate something different every night. He's a good eater for now. Well, that I mean, that's another great tip, though, right? If your kid only wants chicken fingers and fries or peanut butter and jelly or pizza or whatever other kind of, let's say, typical toddler food, which, of course, there's a ton of variety there. But you can, or even if it's not on the menu, you can ask your servers and they will make it happen, especially if your kid is a picky eater. It is it is very easy for them to accommodate stuff like that. If they, particularly if they know after the first night, you can tell them at the first night of dinner, he's going to probably order chicken fingers and fries every night. So that way they'll know to have that available. And that's exactly what happened. We tried to have him be adventurous the first night we were on the ship. And he said, absolutely not. I will have chicken fingers and fries. And so help you if there's not honey mustard and ketchup involved as well. I just (laughs) (laughs) refused to try anything else. That's right. That's right. But remember, kids, you can always have a Mickey bar for dessert. (laughs) Absolutely. And we did. There were a lot of Mickey bars, a lot of ice cream, a lot of good desserts. So speaking of the marinara sauce, though, and chocolate and all these kinds of things that stain your clothes, I imagine laundry might be something you do when you have little ones that you're traveling with that are end up covered in their food after pretty much every dining experience. Did you do laundry on your cruises with the kiddos and or did, did you plan on doing it? How did and, and how did all that all shake out? I actually had brought enough clothes that we didn't need to do laundry, but we ended up having to do laundry anyway because my toddler had an accident one night and ended up peeing through his pajamas and his blanket and all over his lovies. 
So we ended up having to throw everything in the wash so that it was ready for bedtime. But it wasn't an issue. Everything was done really quickly. It was very easy to use. Our room was not that far of a walk from the laundry room. So it was pretty easy to do it in an afternoon and have it ready for bedtime. Well, I just kind of wanted to ask the question, Chelsea, is there anything we haven't talked about in terms of sailing with little kids that you wanted to cover, but we haven't? I guess just uh, just a note, maybe. I know one one question that I get that I have seen circulating in like some of the the cruise groups and everything on Facebook is how to be an exclusive pumper or bottle feeder on board a ship. The nice thing about the Disney ships is that they have the split bath. And so there's two sinks. I was able to very easily wash all of my bottles and pump parts in one bathroom while you know, my husband was bathing our kids or one of them was using the, the potty or something like that. I could use the other sink and then just put them out on the vanity to dry. So it wasn't really taking up any extra space on board the, the ship. It's still extra stuff to pack, right? It's still extra stuff to pack. I'm very much looking forward to the next trip that we go on not having to bring my pumping equipment. I'm very excited about it. I'm counting down the days to being able to fly without bottles. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> That's awesome. One one other thing we haven't talked about is pools and splash pad. And, and I want to bring this up. I know we've talked about this before in an episode we did about cruising with younger kids. But if in case somebody only listens to this episode and hasn't doesn't listen to our prior episodes covering this topic, but maybe I'll have Chelsea tell our listeners, can your kids go in the pool on the Disney cruise ship? No. And this is pretty much universal for all cruise ships. You have to be potty trained in order to go in the pools. Swim diapers are not allowed. They are allowed to go in... There's a, a splash zone specifically for toddlers that they are able to go in. And both of my kids absolutely loved the splash pad. They were crawling around. They were both getting soaking wet. There didn't seem to be that many other kids in their age group on the last ship that we were on. And so they pretty much had the run of it to themselves, maybe like two or three other kids. So they really had a blast. And we did not miss the fact that they could not go in the main pool. I don't think my toddler ever even asked to go in the main pool. And and just for the for people listening, the reason for that is the pools on ships are not they're not chlorinated. So even if your child if your child's using a swim diaper and poops in the pool, the idea is that the bacteria spreads in the pool. And so in order to keep hygienic standards, all major cruise lines as Chelsea said, do not let diaper wearers, even swim diaper wearers in the pools. So the splash pads are awesome. There, there's a, one of them is Dory themed. One of them is Nemo themed, and that's on most of the ships. And then on the wish, there is a Toy Story themed splash pad. And they even have like little, I'll call them baby slides, but they're super cute. They have slightly different age limits on the different ships on the, the wonder and the magic. It's a slightly younger age limit than it is on the fantasy, the dream, and the wish. However, I have never seen those age limits enforced. They just don't want like teenagers like running around in the splash pad. So um, if you have a, a young child that is like six and the sign says, you know, 
up to four, you're not going to get kicked out of the splash pad area. So yeah, but those are, uh, those are great. And then you have beaches on land, right? Exactly. And I mean, we didn't miss not being able to go in the main pool at all. So they had a great time. Well, Chelsea, I think we've reached that point in the show where I need to hand you over to Sam for some rapid fire. So Sam, why don't you take it away? Yeah. All right, Chelsea. So this is rapid fire. This is where I ask you for your Disney favorites and Disney Cruise Line favorites. There are no rules to rapid fire, except I might make arbitrary rules as we go along. Okay. Okay. All right. Who is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? Ooh, Anna. Ooh, I like it. What is your favorite Disney or Pixar movie? That's a tough one. Peter Pan. Oh, that's a good one too. All right. What's your favorite Disney song? This is probably the hardest one, I think. Oh, you know, that one that gets me crying every time I hear it is from Frozen 2, the song where she finds her mother. Oh, yeah. Oh, every time. Like a baby. I thought you... I thought you were going to say a song from Dumbo because that's the one that makes me cry. The baby that mind, don't you cry. <laughs> All right, moving on to Disney Cruise Line ships. What is your favorite Disney Cruise Line stage show that you've seen, of course? Probably, probably The Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. What is your favorite rotational dining restaurant? Rapunzel. Nice. What is your favorite onboard activity? The spa. Definitely the spa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. What's your favorite space on the ship other than, let's say, the spa? You know, I really just like the the decks, like sitting out around the pool, especially if you can get a shaded spot where you can look out over the ocean. For sure. I prefer sitting in front of funnel vision, but I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is your favorite savory food item on a Disney Cruise Line ship? I mean, chicken fingers. Just, yeah. <laughs> life-changing chicken yeah, fingers. Yeah, life-changing chicken fingers, especially when your toddler's force-feeding them to you. Just. <laughs> yeah, I bet you better like them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, favorite dessert item or sweet item, I should say. No, I love the ice cream that you get on the, the deck. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so good. good. Yeah. It's so, so good. Yeah, it's so good. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. Maybe because it's maybe, free. Maybe that's it. There's a little extra kick to it because you don't have to pay for it. All right. My last question is a bucket list cruise. Now, this is some place you haven't been on Disney Cruise Line, and it might even be someplace that Disney Cruise Line doesn't currently go. But if you could go anywhere in the world on a Disney cruise, where would it be? Oh, my goodness. I would totally do a Mediterranean cruise. That would, That's a bucket list cruise. Anywhere. Anywhere in the Mediterranean. Just take me. And then my last question is, what's next? What have you got booked on Disney? Anything? So we do have a wish cruise coming up, not until 2023, unfortunately, but we are, we have it booked and we're joining it with a Disney World trip as well. Oh, awesome. Land and sea vacation. Are you doing a three night, a four night? We're doing a four night and then two nights at Disney World. Awesome. Well, we might have to have you back to hear about your experience on The Wish. Absolutely. Well, Chelsea, I really appreciate you taking time today to come on and talk to us about sailing with young kids. You are also, though, a travel agent with My Path Unwinding Travel and uh, our fabulous show sponsor. And so I wanted to give you a chance to let folks know where they can find you if they'd like to book their next fabulous Disney vacation. Absolutely. You can reach out to My Path Unwinding Travel or you can reach out to me directly. It's chelsea at mypathunwindingtravel.com. 
Awesome. Well, Chelsea, thanks again for taking some time. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. hope you enjoyed hearing from Chelsea all about her tips around sailing with really little kids here, one and three years old. Uh, lots of things to think about and plan for, but ultimately you can have a great Disney cruise with young kids. I, I think one thing we didn't say on the show, but it's so important when you're sailing with kids that young is just, you know, set your expectations around the vacation. It's not going to be the same kind of vacation that you would have if it was adults only or even with older kids. So just, you know, set your expectations accordingly and uh, you'll have a fantastic time. So with that, I do have another five-star review to read on the air this week. This one comes from Sometimes Home, which I think is our friends Dan and Mikhail from the Sometimes Sailing and Sometimes Home blog. Great blogs to check out. So thanks to them for leaving us this review. It reads, a DCL podcast for everyone. Sam and Brian are great podcasters with a main focus on DCL content. It's just enough fandom for a fellow Disney fan to relate without being too diehard Disney-ish. Their editing and audio are excellent. They don't have unnecessary banter or tell inside jokes that make a listener feel left out, and their topics are always relevant and engaging. Their guests keep things interesting too. I've been pleasantly surprised that when I open my podcast app, theirs has become a go-to listen for me. Well, thank you for that. I hope we're still a go-to listen for you, Mikhail. And I think we've got you coming back on the show here soon uh, to talk about a Disney wedding. So excited for that. Uh, but thanks for the review and uh, really appreciate everyone out there who's left us reviews. Please head over, hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a written review and we'll read it on the air. With that, I do just want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. If you want to find all the ways to connect with us, our Etsy store, our blog, our vlog, our podcast, all the things, then head over to dclduo.com. Everything is linked there, including links off to our fabulous show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always book your next Disney Cruise Line vacation, Adventures by Disney Vacation with My Path Unwinding Travel. Just use our link, mypathunwinding.com slash dclduo to let them know we sent you. If you'd like to help support the show, you can also browse to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash DCL duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping us to defray the cost of this show each and every week. Of course, if you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, there's so many ways you can connect with us on social media at DCL duo by email at DCL duo at gmail.com our voicemail line, the number for which I read at the top of the show. Uh, so many ways, but reach out. We'd love to hear from our listeners and we love to have listeners on the show. The DCL duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney cruise line, the Disney company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.